invite you to open up your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 12. And I want us to think through this because we've all been there. When was the last time that you really blew it? <laughs> Somebody said this morning. I mean, if we're, 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 we're honest, it's every day of our lives, right? We blow it. Um, uh, I, I think of certain times in my life where things could have been totally different if I didn't blow it. Um, some of you know that I used to do stand-up comedy. Not one amen. <laughs> I actually performed in clubs. And, um, and, you know, not many, but, you know, a couple here and there. But, and I, I had this one opportunity in front of uh, somebody that was pretty important um, there. I think they were a producer or something. I forget exactly what their title was. And I, I go up to the microphone, and I'm, I'm ready, to, and I freeze. And I could not say a joke, which, you know me, that's very hard for me not to be able to do. And, and I, um, I run off the stage or whatever it was there. We were, I forget if we were at a hotel or whatever it was. And I'm just crying in the bathroom. And I thought, wow, how things would have been different. Can you imagine if I would have got up there, you know, had the jokes? I mean, my amazing jokes and my... <laughs> This is a rough crowd. This is a tough one. I'm glad that you're, some Californians are here today. Help us out here. But I, can you imagine what have happened? I mean, I try to, you know, not think about it much, but I could see what have I may have been, you know, everyone loves Jeremy instead of everyone loves Raymond. You know what I mean? I could have been that guy. They say I sound like him. You know what I mean? I sound like, you know, who knows what could have happened. Um, I'm glad it didn't turn out. I don't know how I would have handled that life. Um, but God in his sovereignty was there all the time. What do you do when somebody comes into your office and says, you know what, I was married to somebody, but I got pregnant by somebody else. I left my husband and married that person. And now I don't know if I'm in God's will. What do you say? We, we live in an amazing world. And a lot of times we talk about our mistakes, but we often fail to see God behind our mistakes. And I look at my life, that was nothing compared to the person that told me what happened to her. And so how do you respond? I, I think of a guy that was offered a pastorate and he was just finishing seminary. And he's, the church wanted him there. And he said, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to go there. I, he rented a, a truck, took his young baby to another state, Minnesota of all places. I mean, who would want to go there? But he takes him to, 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 to the mid, I'm sorry if anyone's from mid, but they you know, take him there. They're living in this place. They're on welfare. They got no money. He's like, what did I do? What did I do? Where was God in all this? And oftentimes we make these mistakes and we wonder, you know, where is God when I blow it? When I really blow it? And so we're going to see right here in this passage. Let's go to Rehoboam becoming king here. And we studied last week, but I want to show you this, what happens. Now, 
I wish it was easy in in the Bible that somebody had, was a king and then his son became a king and it was just so easy that we could follow the line through the whole Bible, but it's not that easy. Saul had a son and he didn't become king. David became king instead of the, the son of Saul. And then and then David's sons, his first son, remember, got whacked by his third son, Absalom. And Absalom was going to become king, but then Absalom died. And I mean, it's just amazing. And then Solomon became king of all of all people. And now Solomon, we don't know how many kids or males he had, but what we do know is Rehoboam, the one mentioned, becomes a king. Now, understand this. Kings weren't just made kings because they wanted to become kings. They had to be first selected by God. God, and then the people had to say, okay, you can be our king. So two things had to happen. It's interesting how that's very important. By the way, when you have a pastor, call a pastor, two things ought to happen. One, it ought to be, he ought to be chosen by God. Two, the people ought to agree he's your pastor. Not one amen. <laughs> when I got called here, it was a little different. It was kind of fun, to be honest with you. I didn't know it. I didn't know what kind of church I was getting into. I was praying that the church would vote us in. Then I found out at that time the church had no vote. Then I was praying for the search committee to vote me in. I found out they didn't have a vote. I found out only the elders had a vote before I came here. And there was only one elder. So I told Katie, we don't get 100%. I'm not coming. If the guy comes back 50-50, something's wrong. You know, he's bipolar or something. I don't know what's going on. One vote. How, how, how healthy is that? And so we changed that three years later. Now you guys get to vote the next guy in next week when you put him in. But you know, you guys get to vote the guy in. And, and that's good. You want to do that. The people want to be behind this. So Rehoboam goes to Shechem and all Israel is there. They, they come and they're going to make him the king. The people are there to make him the king. And, and remember, nobody knows what, what God said to Jeroboam, that you will have the 10 tribes. Nobody knows but Jeroboam this. So Rehoboam's going there, all Israel's going there, and they go to Shechem. You say, why Shechem? But if you ever study the Old Testament history, Shechem is a very important place. It's where God came to Abraham and said, I'm going to give you this promised land. It's where Joseph buried his very bones. This is a political, historical place that people, this is where Joshua got before the people and says, as for me and my family, we will do what? We will serve the Lord. And so this is an important place. And so they go to Shechem and they go to make him king. And Jeroboam, verse 2, the son of Nebit, hears of it. For he was living in Egypt. He's scared. He's scared of Solomon. But now Solomon dies. He fled to Egypt before that. He's staying there years. And, and this tells you a little bit about Jeroboam. Jeroboam waited for God's timing. He wasn't going to force himself to take the, the ten tribes. He waited for God's timing and he was hiding. But now that Solomon's out, he can come out not dead. He can come out of hiding. Look at verse 3. The, the people make a plea. They sent and called him and Jeroboam and all the assembly of Israel came and spoke to Jeroboam saying this. Now remember, Jeroboam was the one that was in charge of the forced labor and he was the one that was a great worker and all that. They said, we need you to speak to us. And watch what they say in verse 4. Your father made our yoke hard. Now therefore, lighten the hard service of your father. Guess what they're asking for? 
what everyone wants. Less work, more pay, less t- more time off. When is anybody ever satisfied with their workload? I've yet to have somebody come up and say, you know what, I just love this week. I worked perfect. I worked the perfect amount of hours. I got the perfect amount of... Nobody. They always want a little more, less work and all. So they said, here's what we need to do. You need to go there and lighten the service of... Just tell them, come on, it's too hard. This tells you a little bit about Solomon. Solomon, the, the wisest king, he wasn't a people person. He worked them to death. So lighten the hard service of your father, please. I'm, I'm, a, you guys know I'm a big baseball fan, and right now we don't have Major League Baseball. You know why? Because they want more money. And so they, they told them, and one of the, one of the deals, they said, okay, we want a hundred million here for, for the younger players. So the owners came back and said, we'll give you 15 million. So the players come back and say, you know what? Thank you for that. Now we want 115 million. So now they're even further apart. We're never going to see baseball. I mean, we got to pray. We got to, should we stop now and pray for them? I mean, we got to pray. I love baseball. <laughs> Billionaires fighting with millionaires. I mean, this is crazy what's going on. And yet, this is the world we live in. And they're saying, lighten the load. We want, we want less loading. We want, we want, we don't want to work. We want less taxes, please. We want more money, less work. And, and, and here's what we'll do. Verse four. Look at the end of it. We will serve you. They're being sincere. You give us less work, more pay, less taxes. We'll, we'll serve you. How about that? We'll, we'll play baseball. You give us the money. We'll do it for you. We're, 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 we're on your side. Uh, what does he do? Well, he takes some time to consider this. I like this. Rehoboam says, depart for three days and then return to me. So the people departed. Now, now this is important because oftentimes when we got to make a decision, we're very rash in our decisions and we make it right away. But you know what? He says this. I'm not going to make a decision. You come back in three days. Now, let me ask you this. When you have to make a tough decision, what, do you, what steps do you take? I know what some of you do, right? I'm going to text my sister. I'm kidding around. I got to text my sister. She lives in California. Let me, let me see how she's doing and find out what's going on here. And I'll give her a text. I'm going to, te- I'm going to, I'm going to call the pastor. I'm going to call the pastor and find out what I should do. Um, what, what, when you got to make a tough day, what, what should I do? I'm going to call my good friend here. Well, there's three things we ought to do when we make a decision. And I want to just put this in here. We ought to pray about it. That's always the first thing to say to somebody when they tell you, man, I got to make a big decision. Well, you ask them, did you pray? Uh, well, I'm talking to you about, no, pray. Go before God. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Second thing, and this is so important, biblical investigation. We need to know the Bible. Isn't it amazing? The more we know the Bible, the less confusing God's will is. Sometimes we make God's will so mystical. What do you want, Lord? Do I eat a hot dog or a hamburger? What do you want? God says eat. And if he was an Italian, he'd say, manja, manja, eat. Eat them both if you want. (laughs) But yet we mystify God's will. But the more we understand the Bible, the less confusing we know what God wants. 
And so we have to go to the Bible. But notice the third thing. We need some godly counsel. Don't, don't just make a tough decision and say, I prayed about it. I went to the Bible. I know what I'm doing. No, seek help. Seek godly, godly counsel. People who know the Bible, understand the Bible. This is important. Why is that? Because Proverbs 15.22 says, Without consultation, plans are frustrated. But with many counselors, they succeed. Who are these people in your life? Who are these godly people that you go to when you need to make a decision? They ought to be there. And there ought to be a few of them, not just one. I, I have Dr. Newman. I, I appreciate a lot. I, I call him. What do I do? How do I handle it? I don't know what to do. This person, how do I handle this? I'm glad he doesn't say, did you pray and read the Bible? How do I handle this? I got people in my life. You should have people in your life. Godly counselors. So what does he do? He goes to the older people. Good move here, Rehoboam. Now let me just tell you something. Not every older person is wise. There's some out there that are not that wise. Any amens here? But for the most part... Most of them, 97.25% of them, maybe not that high, 90%, maybe 85%, some, most of them are pretty smart. They've been there, done that. So look at verse 6. He goes to the elders. This is amazing. He consults the elders and he's, who served with his father. I mean, these are the people that served with Solomon. I mean, the wisest king. And they know what they're doing. They know the policies. They've been there. They've been around in life. This is a good move by Rabel. He goes to the elders. He says, wow. He says, how do you counsel me to answer these people? What, what, how, do I, how do I handle this? How, how do I go before this? How, how, how do I talk to these people? What, what do I do? And this is amazing. Look at their advice. Verse 7. This is amazing advice from them. They say, if you will be a what? If you will deny yourself and look out for their needs. If you will serve them and grant them their what? Petition. Listen to them, Rehoboam is saying. Listen to them and grant it. Speak good words to them. What you say, notice in this passage in verse 7, what you say to these people today will affect you forever. They will be your servants for what? Forever. So be careful, Rehoboam. Go before them. Tell them you want to meet their needs. Tell them you're going to serve them. Tell them you're here for them. And then they'll be here for you. That's great advice. By the way, when I came out of seminary, I was told this. You need to delegate everything. Delegate, delegate, delegate. I thought that was pretty cool. I came out and says, man, you do this. I don't like doing it. You do this. I don't like doing it. I'll delegate this to you. I don't like doing it. I was delegating everything. My wise pastor at the time that I was under, he came up to me. He goes, Jeremy, I appreciate that the seminary taught you how to delegate. But I want, I want to remind you something. We're servants. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I missed that part in seminary. <laughs> you mean I got to go to the lady's house that flooded her basement and pick out these, these things that we were there and her, her whole basement was flooded? That's what I need to do? I wanted to delegate somebody, send them there. I gotta, we're servants. We seek the needs of others. We help them to be all that God wants them to be. We're here to serve. That changed my life. The elders are saying to him, we are a servant. 
Be humble about it. Speak good words to them. Then they'll be your servants forever. It's amazing. We haven't been to that church in, in how long now? 2003, many years. And yet still today, if we, they, they write us, they do things. It's amazing. If we were to go back there, they love us. It's amazing what God has done. Be a servant and they'll love you. Speak good to them. Speak kind words to them. Grant them their petition. Look, for, look out for them. Here's what they're saying. They counsel the course of godly humility, servant leadership, and moderation is ex exercise of power. Rehoboam, do what's right. Speak to them. Do what's right. Serve them and they will serve you. What does he do? What a lot of young people do. Look at this. He rejects the counsel. What does those old people know? What do they know? They're out of touch. They lived a hundred years ago. They don't know nothing. I'm going to go to my friends, my buddies. I like this. Verse 8. He forsook the counsel of the elders. That's mistake number one. And then he consults the young men. And the young men who what? Who grew up with him. So these are his friends. These are his buddies. And served him. They were under him. What kind of advice are they going to give him? I find it amazing. I, I find this amazing. I'm a parent of four, got three teenagers, uh, about to have four teenagers here in a year. I am amazed. I am amazed on how much counsel they get from their friends. And I mean, I just sit there and listen. I try not to smile and bust out laughing. I want to really, I want to really listen and have fun. Johnny, we were joking around. He came up. He said, yeah, one of my friends told me, he goes, yeah, here's how you get into relationships. You have, you have, the girl has to be either, uh, two years younger or one year older. And then you can, you can have a relationship with him. I said, oh, what, what great advice that is. I said, so the friend that told you, is he married? No. <laughs> has he ever had a relationship? No. A real relationship? Yeah, he had some girlfriends here and there. He's telling you how to find a wife when the guy's never had a wife. All right, let me think this through for a moment. Because daddy's an old man, isn't he? I mean, I'm an old man. What do I know about marriage? I've had a, a woman in my life for 20 years. What do I know? What do I know? Ask the person that knows. But you know what? Here's the sad reality in life. Our children are being more influenced by their peers than by their parents. And they love what their peers say. But their parents are out of touch. So, wow, what do you know? Come on, Dad, that was 30 years ago! It was. Can you believe that? I went to college almost 30 years ago. I mean, that's crazy. Chalmer, there wasn't even colleges back then. I mean, unbelievable. <laughs> but yet, they're so willing to get that advice from them, and they get the advice, and they run with that advice. Be careful with that. Nothing wrong with asking your friends what they think. But there's nothing wrong with asking the people with gray hair or no hair to what they think. <laughs> Because right? those are the two options. <laughs> so he consults the young men. These men remind me of New Yorkers, all right, and some Californians too. Look at these young. Look at these. I'm sorry, I gotta really throw this at you, but look at these young men. Watch how he does this. Verse nine. This is amazing. I mean, it reminds me of being in the streets in New York years ago. They said, "So what?" So he said to him, "What counsel do you give 
me to answer the people. He's talking to younger people. Lighten the yoke which your father put on. Notice that he doesn't even tell them the whole thing there. He just says, all they want is less work. What do I tell these people that want less work? What do I say to them? Here's what they say. Look how crude and rude these guys are. The young man grew up with them and said, who grew up with him, spoke to him and said, that's what you say to the people saying this. Your father made your yoke heavy. Now. You make it lighter for us. Here's what I'm doing. Tell them my little finger is thicker than my father's loins. Don't read that in Hebrew, by the way. That is some nasty language. That is some crude talk. That is crazy talk, by the way. It's kind of like New Yorkers saying, hey, what the guy say? I'll tell you what you tell him. You tell him you think your father was tough? Forget about it. I'm going to show you who's tough. I'll show you right now who's tough. I'm going to make their life forget. I'm going to, you think they had hard work? Wait till they wait for me. Right? I don't know what a Californian would say. Maybe they'd say, well, like, if you work, like, uh... <laughs> I got to get that one out. I'm in big trouble later. <laughs> We're going to have half a church here. Watch this. He says in verse 11, he goes, Whereas my father loaded you with a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. You're going to have a lot more work. More work, less pay, less vacation. And then this, my father disciplined you with whips. I mean, that whips hurt. But I'm going to discipline you with scorpions. He's not talking about the insect there. He's talking about whips with pieces of bone on it that ripped the flesh off. He said, you think this was tough? I'm going to make it really tough if you don't work for me. I mean, really hard. I'm going to rip your flesh off. Tell them that. That's what the young people said. Tell them that. <laughs> I mean, Rehoboam, what does he do? Look at verse 12. The people come back. And, you know, they come back in good faith. Three days later, I could just see them standing there. Oh, they're all excited. What is this king going to say to us? What is he going to tell us the good news? Are we going to get what we asked for? And, you know, they come back and they're all, and, and, and they're ready to hear it. But here's what he does. And to, to, to his credit, we're going to see here in a moment. But look at verse 13. The king answered the people what? Harshly. Huh. Let me tell you, I've seen this too much. I've seen a pastor. I couldn't believe it. We were in the uh, border of Texas and Mexico in a church. And the pastor gets up there. He's got his Bible. And he is mad at the people. And he grabs his Bible. He says, you don't want to obey the Bible? You don't want to obey the Bible? I'll just rip my Bible. And he rips his Bible right in front of the people. Who makes you want to obey the Bible after somebody speaks to you like that? He ripped them to shreds. I've seen parents do that to their children. Rip them to shreds. One parent told me, can you believe I had, if I would have had that kid first, I would have never had more kids. Right in front of their son. Who says that? I've seen kids speak like this to their parents. People in churches speak like that to each other. God never is glorified in that. And he gets up and he speaks harshly. Now to his credit... He is not as crude as his friends because look at verse 14. He leaves out that part. My little finger is bigger than your father's uh, loins. He leaves that out. 
But he does tell him in verse 14, he says this, he says, he spoke to them according to the advice of the young men, saying, my father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpion. I'm going to make things harder for you. I'm going to do it. Wow. Jeroboam. In 80 years with his grand, with, with, what David did and Solomon did, Rehoboam, sorry, Rehoboam, what are you doing here with your grandfather and what your father built in 80 years you're going to destroy in three days? Don't do it. But look at verse 15. Here it is. Here's the one. So the king did not listen. Do you remember what Solomon prayed? Solomon prayed to God. He said, Lord, give me a heart that listens to you. And yet his own son didn't pray that. Give me a heart that listens to you. And what does he do? He listens to who? The people. The wrong people. But in the midst of this tremendous mistake, look at this. The turn of events was from who? From the Lord. You figure this out. How is it when we blow it? How is it when we make the wrong mistake? God is there behind the scenes. How is it? And how is it that he uses those things to, to, to further his kingdom? He does. The turn of events was from who? The Lord. You know what this teaches me? This teaches me this. Our foolishness is no match for God's sovereignty. So what do you tell the person that says, I was married to one man, but then I got pregnant by another man, left my husband, now I'm living with the other guy. I don't know if the other guy's my... And all this, i tell you this, your foolishness is no match for God's sovereignty. God has a way yes. of taking even our foolishness, even our wickedness in accomplishing his plans. You say, where is that in the Bible? I'll tell you where it is in the Bible. Jesus, when he came on this earth, he, it, they were foolish to reject him, but they did. And they were wicked to crucify him, yes. but they did. And it was all part of God's plan. Figure that out. When you got that figured out, let me know. Because I want to know. But here's what I do know. The mistakes that we make are not too big for God to take and use. That's right. And we make plenty of them. Big ones. And we look back and say, what in the world have I done? Now my life's a complete mess and all that. And I don't know what I'm going to do. And I'm here to tell you, there are consequences. I says, well, you know, I, I did this, but you know, my foolishness, no match for God's sovereignty. There's no consequence. Yeah, there are consequences. Of course, there's consequences. But yet it doesn't mean that God cannot use them to further what he wants to do in our lives. Watch this. We're going to see this. This is amazing. The consequences of Rehoboam's foolishness. What, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. The people rebel. Once this happened, the people want nothing to do. Now the kingdom's going to divide. Now the people don't want to be with them. They say, what portion do we have with David? I want nothing to do with David now. We're going to go to the northern tribe. The people rebel against him. He sends somebody. He sends this guy, Adam, Adam or whatever his name is. He sends him. He says, you tell him I'm serious. You know what the people do? They stone him. Not Colorado style. They stone him. He's dead. Not one amen there. He's dead. They kill him. He loses a servant. 
You know what? <laughs> this Rehoboam, you know, he has conflict ensues now, the northern tribe and the southern tribe. He says, you know what? I'm going to get back these people. I'm going to start a civil war. So look what he does in verse 21. Rehoboam had come to Jerusalem, assembled the house of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin, 180,000 chosen men. You say, why is this important? Well, remember when Solomon built the temple, he got how many people? 180,000. So here his father gets people to build. Here Rehoboam gets people to war. We're going to fight again. We're going to win this thing. He is out of his mind. He's a madman here. He gets these chosen men who were warriors to fight against. He's going to start a civil war. They're going to kill relatives. They're going to kill. They can care less. <laughs> Until enters in Shemaiah. Here's a beautiful name, by the way, for your child. You guys, Adrian, if you're thinking of a kid. I know Jeremy's number one, but Shemaiah. Who is this Shemaiah? You only find him, I think, here, and I think he's mentioned all the time in Chronicles. Who is this Shemaiah? I'll tell you who Shemaiah is. Watch this. The word of the Lord comes to Shemaiah, the man of God. There's a saying. And here's he says this. Speak to Rehoboam. The son of Solomon, king of Judah, and to all the house of Judah and Benjamin, and the rest of the people saying this. Thus says the Lord, you shall not go up to fight against your relatives, the sons of Israel. Return every man to his house, for this thing has come from me. In other words, you go there and you preach exactly what I'm telling you right here. You tell them don't go fight. You listen to what the word of God says. And what does Rehoboam do? Look at this. Beautiful. Verse 24. He listened to the word of the Lord. <laughs> the power of God's word to stop us in our tracks. Here's, here's a guy who wouldn't listen to anything but his friends. And yet here comes Shammah. I mean, who is this guy? Shammah. He, he, he comes and he just preaches the word and boom, Rehoboam listens. I like that. I believe in the power of God's word. Yes. On Thursday, me, Steve, and, and Gabe sat down and we were talking about Gabe was studying the Bible and he's with some friends today. He was studying the Bible and he said, hey, I came to a conclusion. I, I think I came to this conclusion. I want you to come and meet with me. And he's all excited. He's got his Bible and his papers and everything. And he's coming in and, he, and me and Steve, and Steve we, we were sitting at the... Um, uh, Chick-fil-A and Steve's eating his chicken. You know what I mean? And, and, and Gabe is giving his, his presentation. I mean, he's going at it. And we're trying to ask, I said, I'm going to ask questions at this is the game. Okay, ask questions. Are we asking questions? He's like, okay. And he had an answer for everything. And I go, all right, now, you know, we're getting about an hour, hour and a half into it. He's reading. He says, I want to show you another verse. He shows us another verse. I said, Gabe, what is that talking about? He goes, it's talking about this. I said, no, no, Gabe, let's study this again. What is it talking about? He looked at it. He said, oh, it's not talking about that. He says, my whole argument's been wrong. He said, I concede. I believe what the Bible says. The Bible stopped him in his tracks. That's what God's word does. That's why a lot of us are scared to touch it. I open up this thing, it's going to tell me I need to change. You better believe it will. Or when somebody comes to your door, that's from this church, not from a different video, and got the Bible in hand, watch out. Maybe telling you something you need to hear. 
But I'll tell you, Rehoboam, in all his hardness and all his mistakes, he hears the word of God and they listen. I love that. And they returned and went their way according to the word of the Lord. So somebody says, what do I do when I make a mistake? I want you to remember four things real quick. And we're going to end here. Whenever you make a mistake, remember God's faithfulness. Remember the fact that even though we deny him, he can never deny us because he can't deny his own. He remains faithful. I look back at my life. God has never, ever made a mistake. He has never not come through. He is always faithful to his promises. So next time you make a mistake, focus on his faithfulness. Next thing, focus on his sovereignty. God's not shocked. He's not up in heaven saying, I can't believe they did that. Now what do we do? Pete, say Pete, come here. What do we do? We got plan B? What do we do now? No, he's sovereign through it all. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. And not only that, the providence of God, he is going to work those things out for our good and his glory. That's our God. But then I want you to remember this when we make a mistake. Remember God's forgiveness. He's a forgiving God. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to do what? Forgive us. We blow it. And oftentimes we say, you know what? I know that God is sovereign and all, but I blew it. My life's a mess. But don't focus on that. Focus on the faithfulness of God. Focus on the sovereignty of God. Focus on the providence of God. Focus on the forgiveness of God. How many parents do you know that, that look at you and say, I blew it with my kids. You know what? So have I. Many times. Too many times. But I'm so glad that he's more powerful to redeem them than I am to mess them up. People look and say, I blew it with my spouse. Well, you have? So have I. Many times. Don't ask her how many, but many times. Focus on the faithfulness of God. I blew it here at my job and now I'm working this job because I talked to my boss. God's hand is in it. He knows what he's doing. So we trust in him. 80 years of building a kingdom in three days, this kid ruins everything. Yet he ruined nothing because it was all part of God's plan. We rest in that, in who he is. Let's pray. Our Father, we, we, we thank you so much. What a passage this is. We see a lot of Rehoboam's life in our own. We have opportunities to make the right choices and we make the wrong ones. And yet, you remain faithful through it all. You remain sovereign through it all. You're working behind the scenes through it all. And you're a forgiving God through it all. So, Lord, I pray, maybe there's someone here today that's beaten themselves up because of mistakes they've made in the past. That, God, that right now they would just... Focus on your faithfulness. Focus that on your sovereignty. Focus on the fact that you're behind the scenes. And focus on the fact that you're a forgiving God. 
This isn't an excuse to go out and make big mistakes. This is comfort when we do. Not if we do, when we do. So thank you so much for who you are. And Lord, I see here in this passage an amazing thing. 80 years of building a kingdom and trying to unite the people. And yet in three days, that's all destroyed. But behind it, you were completing your word. You were fulfilling your word. And I'm so thankful that you fulfill your promises no matter what. I'm thankful that you promised to build your church. I think of all the mistakes that pastors, including myself, and people that are in churches make, but yet you still build your church because you promised you will. I think of how you promised us eternal life and how many mistakes we make before we reach your presence, but yet still save us and will see us one day. Thank you for being that God. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' precious name, amen.